Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. This is Matt Frazier, joined by Doug Hay. And Doug, we are talking about your race today and some lessons learned from it. That's right. Yeah, so you ran a uh, 100K, I guess it was two weeks ago now, is that right? Was yep, it? Yeah, two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. And uh, wasn't your best race ever, you said, wasn't, but but maybe taught you some, some good lessons, right? Absolutely. I think it was probably... Um... One of the toughest races I've ever had, maybe the toughest runs I've ever had, but definitely learned a few things, and and you know that's what I got it done, and that's those right. are the two things you wanna you wanna do is finish and learn a few lessons in the process, and pee blood if you can, and pee blood. No, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk tough, about yeah, that. Tough to be your best race ever if you if you have peed blood during it. So, <laughs> well, that, that's that's a good outward sign that it was not a not a great one. Um, first, though, I want to mention uh, Health Fest that I just got back from. In Marshall, Texas, yeah. this event's been going on for five years now, and uh, it's put on by the mayor and his wife. His name's Ed Smith. She's Amanda Smith, hmm. and uh, they are vegan. I don't know quite how they came to find it, the the diet, but uh, kind of this this movement they're trying to create in the town. It's in northeast Texas, so kind of really close to Louisiana, like half an hour, or maybe not even half hour from the border, half an hour from the Shreveport, Louisiana airport where I flew into. Hmm. Um. And they're trying to, to create this movement. I don't know if it's about transforming the town, because uh, it seems that, that that's kind of slow going. I mean, it's still, you can tell you're in you're in Texas, and it's just you know, <laughs> not, not vegan country by any means. Um, but is, several, it, is, it a, is it a veg fest? I mean, is it a vegan festival, or is it just a it's general not, It's not really a festival, because it, it costs a lot to go to. I mean, relatively speaking, compared to a free or $10 veg fest, uh, health fest is like, the, the final ticket price was like $350 or something. Oh, wow. To attend? But, yeah, to attend. Oh. Uh, I think it was much cheaper at the early bird rates, maybe. I don't, I don't want to say a price because I'd probably be wrong. But um, So it it it's way different from, from a normal veg fest. There are still, I think there were probably maybe 15 or 20 speakers there, um, including myself and a bunch of other people, Rich Roll, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, uh, two good other doctors, Dr. Osfeld, who's kind of making a name for himself in this vegan community. I think he's been on the Rich's podcast. Uh, if not, he's going to be soon, I know. Uh, Dr. Garth Davis from Houston, who, who's a really, really good presenter, and I know he's going to be on Rich's podcast soon, so look out for his episode if he, uh, if it's not, I don't think it's up yet. But he was a really great presenter and, and uh, had, had some great stuff about health, habits, and motivation, which are three things that I really liked, and it was all combined into one talk, so that was cool. Uh, Miyoko Shinner, or maybe it's Skinner. I, I should know how to pronounce her last name because I met her this week. And uh, you're going to Italy. You're going with to Italy her. with her, yeah. Oh, yeah. So she makes the artisan vegan cheese. And let's see, Del Sroof, I think is his name from from Forks Over Knives. Doctor Terry Mason, who was also in Forks Over Knives. Del Sroof is not in Forks Over Knives. He was the the author of the of the cookbook that they made. Mm. Anyway, many more. Gene Bauer, and I'm I'm forgetting I'm forgetting some of the top ones. I'm sure of that just because that's that's what happens when you try to do things off the cuff like this. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was just awesome. So there were lots of talks. There was uh, a 5K. There was a training run the day before the 5K, which uh, 
it's kind of an odd day to have a, have a training run <laughs> the day before 5k <laughs> the training run for the 5k that was the idea but uh <laughs> i guess i guess neither ed or, nor amanda are runners i don't i don't well, they said they were fans of no meat athletes so maybe they're runners but i think i think it was just uh that's funny you know what do you, what's what's an excuse to have a run on saturday and what can we call it Mm-hmm. So that was early, six thirty in the morning, still dark, but had a really great turn. I had like forty people show up for that. Wow! Um, that I was leading, which was cool, and I didn't end up actually leading it, but I was just tried to run with everybody, and yep. it was good. So a lot of fun. Uh, met some people from the Oklahoma City Nomad Athlete Group. That was really fun. Uh, Gina, John, and Caitlin, and we had had a meal together, and just really good time. I'm going to go visit them pretty soon. So that was really fun. And all in all, just like a really good event. I think it was 450 people, and I think because it cost money to get in, like this amount of money, uh, I think that maybe sort of selected the crowd as one that was really passionate and just high energy about this whole thing. Cool. So that was that was really nice. Going to the cruise first and then this next in, in two weeks was just a really good thing for me. It, it definitely kind of re-energized me about, about this whole diet and uh, got to know the speakers. Oh, Chef AJ. I forgot Chef AJ. She's, she was on both the cruise and this. Uh, and she's she's really cool. I think she's some great stuff. Was it mostly local people, or were was, there any? There were, local a, there were a lot of people from Dallas and Austin and okay. Houston that came, uh-huh. and and there were I don't know I would estimate half maybe slightly less than half that were from out of state. So there, there were lots of people that had flew in, mm. but uh, a lot also in that area. Not very few that I saw that were from Marshall, Texas. Yeah, and then uh, was the five k open to the whole community, or was it? 5K, yes. It was. I think it was free if you were registered for the event, but the community people could could run as well. Cool. And uh, yeah, and I ran 22 minute 5K, which is not by any means good per yeah, se. That's pretty good. But yeah, I mean, I I've run one. I think 19 minutes and 15 seconds, or 19 minutes and 12 seconds was my best when I was kind of fast at at marathons. Uh, but never really was a 5K. I've never really tried for a 5K. Like I'm training for a 5K mm-hmm. and then doing my best. Uh, but this was a really hilly course, and I was actually quite pleased with 22 minutes because I I've been so out of that realm of running for for five years now since I got into ultras. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was I was quite happy to run 22 minutes on on a really hilly course, hillier than any 5k I've done for sure. Yeah, which gave me a little confidence for for a marathon this fall, thinking that that maybe it won't take all that long to get back into awesome. peak, peak 5k shape, which would translate to peak marathon shape. Yeah, last. Uh... Fourth of July, I ran a 5K. That was the first 5K I'd run in oh, yeah. a really long time. I guess I ran a turkey trot this year, too, but I ran it with uh, some cousins and stuff, so we were going pretty slow. But um, I went all out at that Fourth of July 5K, and it was ta- it was so hard. <laughs> they're, they're awful. I know. It's it's like a you know three-mile sprint, really. It's it's tough. Yeah, exactly. And and it's not just us. Rich Roll said the exact same thing, hmm. that he's, he's much more into... I mean, he's even more extreme than we are as far as how far he likes to go right. and what he's what he's good at. Uh, so yeah, he you know so it's not just not just us uh, scrubs who have problems <laughs> running five k's. Um, yeah, and and I was I should mention that I got to interview with uh, interview Rich finally, which was really cool. Awesome. Um, that's for the Nomad Athlete Academy. It's going to be coming out pretty soon. Probably by the time this episode goes live, if you're an Academy member, you will have this uh, the Rich Roll interview in there. Um, we're also going to put some of it few segments of it on the podcast later on closer to when rich's new book the plant power way is coming out that's in the end of april so uh look for that that'll be it was a really good interview very in-depth and uh, lots of good stuff from him and mentioning him reminded me that i was on an athlete panel with him victoria moran was supposed to be a speaker she got sick so they did this impromptu athlete panel and 
that job memory of other speakers that were there. Christy Morgan, who we've had on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Ellen Jaffe Jones, who's written Paleo Vegan, Vegan on Four Dollars a Day, and she's like an age group five k runner. Hmm. And Oma Wale, I don't know his last name. He's a boxer, vegan boxer from Brooklyn, New York. Cool. I've seen him in a couple things, and he's good. He's he knows his stuff, and he's a good speaker, and uh, cool guy. We we hung out with him and had dinner with him one night too. So, as you can tell, lots and lots of people there. Very high energy, good event, and uh, really cool thing. So I, I hope to be invited back next year. I'm not completely certain that I will, but I, I talked to Ed and Amanda about it, and it sounds like it's going to happen. So we'll see. Do you know if uh, any of the talks are posted online or anything? I don't know. They didn't mention that. There was, there were video happening of, of the keynotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they made it online or if, how, how that works, but don't know. But anyway, it's at Health Fest. It used to be called, or maybe it was gethealthymarshall.com. I should know their, their URL. But if you just Google Marshall Health Fest, you'll, you'll be able to find it and maybe even sign up for next year. I don't know when that all goes on sale. But Cool. Anyway, great event. Look for it. And uh, it, it, was, it was really fun for me. Great. Cool. All right, so let's get into your race, and and more importantly, perhaps the the lessons that came from it, because we like to talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, well, just briefly, it was a hundred k, which is sixty three miles outside of Charlottesville. Is it sixty three or sixty two? Sixty two. This <laughs> okay. course was sixty three. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and that's. I mean. I think I don't know what your hundred was. My hundred was one hundred and one miles. Yeah. In the ultra community, they don't seem to care about exactly hitting the number. Right. Mine was one hundred and three point five. <laughs> yeah. I know it because it means something to me, but right, they don't care. No. Right. And this was your first hundred k. This is my first hundred k. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't really know what to expect. It was it was a loops course, so it was uh, seven nine mile loops. Mm, okay. And which was my first time doing something like that too. So you always came back to this main aid station where you had a drop bag, you know, where you could leave all kinds of gear and chains of shoes and all this stuff. Um, so that was, that was kind of neat. And then so you had no crew other than that, right? Uh, no, that's not true. My, my two friends, David and Skyler. Okay. Uh, came out, uh, to hang out for the weekend. And then my mom actually, cause my mom's about a half hour away in Harrisonburg. She just, she came over for a couple hours to to check in on me so i did have a crew um, for about the second half of it and um those two guys paced me a little bit too so that was good we'll get into that but yeah it, it ended up just being a really rainy and muddy day the course was a mess it was raining from the very beginning and i just uh you know had a lot of trouble getting into it i i started out not feeling very well my legs didn't you know kind of felt dead and my mm-hmm. head really wasn't in it and by 30 miles in it 30 miles in i was on the side of the trail, dry heaving up, you know, gels yeah. and um, just feeling absolutely terrible. And then stopped to pee and realized I was peeing blood. And that was that was when things really just kind of went way downhill because everything I'd read about or heard about other people who had pee blood, they would always drop. There's an issue. There's danger that your kidneys are are damaged or in crisis. So that can be you know right. really severe and fatal. So. Immediately, you know, I was 30-something miles in. I was just less than halfway through that, that loop, that third, fourth loop. And um, and I just assumed that I had to drop. Mm-hmm. And I knew that my, my friends and my family were coming sometime around then. So it was around noon. And they were supposed to show up sometime around then. And, and I just, you know, got so bummed out because <laughs> I had never dropped before. You know, I'd been out there for seven hours already so it's not like 
you know, I hadn't, you know, I was just starting. I had, you know, put a lot of energy and in, into this. Right. Mm-hmm. I had gone out there. I was really pumped about it. I was coming off a really great trail marathon a couple weeks earlier, just feeling really positive about my training. And I thought I was going to have to drop. Um, and that whole rest of the lap, so I had about, I don't know, six miles left in that lap. And I was just, I walked most of it and was just feeling really down on myself and really down about the race and really negative. Um, then I got back to the aid station, that main aid station where the, where the medic was and talked, you know, went up to him and told him I was peeing blood. And he said it was like no big deal at all. He, you know, he kind of <laughs> touched my kidneys a little bit. He, you know, he kind of did a few tests on my body and, and he was like, you know, as long as you check in with me after each lap, I'm, you know, you're free to run. Yeah. And it like totally surprised me, you know, cause I had, you know, decided I was going to drop, right. you know, just assumed that I was going to drop. And then I was like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> maybe I don't have to drop, but you know, my head had already dropped. Right. right. Uh, and it was just a really, it was a low place. It was really confusing. And that's when I picked up, uh, the pacers for the first time. Okay. And, and that's kind of when things started to turn around. They, my stomach never really bounced back. Uh, and, and, you know, my legs never felt great, but that was kind of this opportunity for me to restart the race for the second half uh-huh. and restart how I felt about the whole thing. So, I mean, you know, really it, it all boiled down to this, the way I was able to do that was to, uh, kind of tap into this positivity, this outward positivity. And I'd recently read about a guy who is a back of the packer, um, but is just the most positive guy you would ever meet out on the trail or something. And hmm. he, you know, he goes around and he high fives everybody and he hugs all the aid station people. And he's just kind of this really positive guy and during the interview that I was reading about him, he was saying that, you know, inside he's really struggling, inside he's tired just like everybody else. But the way he projects the positivity in the, and it invites uh, encouragement and positive stuff back at right, him. Right, And that, that encourages him and it keeps him going. Hmm. And so I was trying to really do that. And my pacer was great. You know, he was, I told him, you know, what he, what I was what was going on and, of course, and you know, basically every time we went up a hill, he was just really encouraging, you know, way, way to go, you know, way to break that hill that hill up. And every time I went down, you know, it was like, oh, you're moving really well. It was like all this positive reinforcement. And as long as I could keep smiling, as long as I could keep, you know, feeling or looking positive, staying strong on the outside, it was, it was starting to seep in on the inside. Hmm, okay. So did you, is that something that I mean, what what was the actual turning point? Was it because you started that stuff, or was it more that, that you hit this aid station, you got the green light to go ahead, and then you joined your pacers? Yeah, no, it definitely it, it well, you know, I mean, it started there. It started. It was kind of this. I got the green light to go ahead, and I picked up a pacer, and all of a sudden things kind of just changed. Um, so there was a little bit of of positivity there, but I, I started out, or a little bit of change there, but I started out still feeling terrible. I hadn't eaten anything, and right, you know. I, an hour and a half or so, maybe even more. And, you know, I still felt terrible. So it was a very slow transition back into it. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of the turning point when I was able to shift in my head, okay, I'm going to finish this. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I got to I gotta tap into, I got to, I have to mentally change where, where I am. I have to quit thinking about how terrible it is and how terrible I feel and start thinking about, you know, the fact that I have already run this many miles, you know, I've already run a 50 K I've already, um, done something pretty awesome. 
right. and and right. and I'm going to finish no matter what it takes. I'm going to finish it. At that point, I was way off pace of what I thought I was going to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just had to accept the fact that this wasn't going to be the race where I was going to, you know, perform really well, and, and right. you know, mm-hmm. and just and had to focus on on getting it done. Did you do any walking leading up to that last to, to the aid station where you kind of started to turn around? Yeah, basically when I when I peed the blood, I, I kind of gave up and right. um, did a lot of walking. That you know, I had I don't know six six miles, seven miles maybe to the to the end of that lap and walked at least half of it and kind of jog walked the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But at that point, you know, I, leading up to that, I was so each I knew exactly what my split should be after each pace uh, to get the time that I wanted and. Uh, the first three laps, I was able to stay on on pace, even though I didn't feel very good. Mm-hmm. And so during that that lap where I peed, uh, you know, at that point I just I'd give it up. Right. And right. Kind of. Now, we've talked about that before, uh, but I think it's a really good lesson for like a, a especially a first time ultra runner that that just in an ultra when you feel badly even really badly and think you're not going to finish and think you kind of blew it or something just went wrong and it's not your day. That doesn't mean you aren't going to finish your race because you can stop and just walk for a long time. And several times in, in my own ultra running career, if you would call it that, uh, have, have had long 45 minute periods where I'm just walking thinking I'm, I'm going to be walking the rest of the time, the, the remaining 40% of this race or whatever it is. And, uh, and after 45 minutes or an hour of it, you start, feeling good again and you actually have time mm-hmm. to bounce back because in a marathon if you blow your chance like that and you walk for 45 minutes then suddenly you go from the front of the pack to the back of the pack and it feels like you know just a terrible race right whereas if your goal is just finished that's a great thing to keep in mind and that was something that i did during my hundred it was before i because I, I was very scared that i wouldn't finish that's what everyone said i mean it's really hard to finish a hundred your first attempt at it and i told my crew which is my family uh i said if i really feel like quitting remind me that i can just like literally could just take a nap for a couple hours Mm. before i decided i'm gonna quit (laughs) uh in a 50k or 100k or 50k or 50 miler you probably wouldn't want to be taking a nap for a couple hours just because you're likely to miss the cutoff then right but uh but you could just walk i mean you can just walk for a while like before you actually give in and quit assuming you're not in any sort of danger Mm -hmm. uh peeing blood or something like that terrible (laughs) then uh you could you just walk just walk for a while i mean make that your your thing you do before you quit and yeah. and see how it is after an hour even of that before you cuz i don't know i feel like if you quit not to say you shouldn't quit if you're if there's something wrong i mean of course not right. uh, and and if i were peeing blood i think i would i wouldn't listen to anybody i would stop i'd be too scared <laughs> i I'd, i'm just i guess too into uh whatever the word is self preservation i don't know yeah i would i would just be terrified and i would stop um but Man, I mean, the feeling of, of not finishing a race, that pain lasts for a long time, I think. Absolutely, I haven't really yeah. done it in ultra, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But, man, I, th- I think that would be a thing that would last for a few weeks. And then yeah. eventually, I'm sure you learn a lesson from it and you put it behind you. But, but uh, you know, yeah. but I, ha- I had people who had come out for the weekend to hang out right. with me and, that and pace with harder. me. And, you know, I had driven six hours to get there and paid money to do it and, and had trained. I mean, that was the focus of my spring was this... Mm-hmm. Or, you know, or the or of the winter was was this hundred k, right? Um, Which is a perfect example of accountability, which we always talk about. That all those things kind of conspire, or maybe that's not the word, but but combine to to make way more likely that you're going to finish, right? When yeah. You, when, I mean, we oh, talk absolutely. about it all the time, and I think it's sometimes uh, I don't know. People just don't I don't think get it or believe it. But uh, 
any ultra I finished, that's been a huge factor. Was if I quit, then all these people I'm letting down, all this training, all the, all this stuff that I have invested in this in some way or another mm-hmm. is gone, and that's that's what accountability is. Right, absolutely. You know, and I think that I could have used the pink blood as an excuse, and people would have understood that. You know, I could have written about that. Yeah, even right. On, even on the on Rocket Runner, you know, I could have written about it, and people would have understood. Um, you know, but but the truth was that the medic told me I was fine. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and Wait, so I, were you disappointed to hear that it was fine? Well, I was surprised. I mean, kind of a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm you know, sure. I, I, I was fully expecting that he was going to say, "Yeah, you should stop." Right. Um, and I, so in my head, I was done. You know, I, I went up to him to tell him that I was that was you know why I was going to drop. And yeah, a little bit of me was disappointed. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but Rich, Rich spoke on. Uh, I gave a keynote lecture at, at this Hellfest and had an example exactly like that. I wish I could remember what it was, but it was it was either his Ultraman or his Epic Five thing where he he was oh it was after he in his second Ultraman uh, he his I guess bike broke kind of thing he crashed his bike mm-hmm. uh, in I don't know I think it was I think day one he led it was day one was all swimming and he was leading the whole thing by ten minutes after that and day two not far into the bike not far into the day. He had this really bad crash, and his whole shoulder was torn up, and his pedal was missing. And he, I guess, had spent, I don't know how long it was, an hour or some amount of time where he was riding with one pedal, one leg. And uh, just just kind of started thinking about, well, I guess I can't finish. You know, that means I guess we'll just kind of spend the day at the beach tomorrow <laughs> and all this nice stuff with his right, family. Right. And then I don't know if it was his crew or a friend or someone produced a pedal miraculously that he had. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where he got it. Uh, and, and, and it was this big, like, kind of uh, – disappointment in some way i was like wow i guess now i have to actually go do this thing that i was just kind of convinced myself that i wouldn't have to do anymore Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i was already thinking about food and and of course at that point it was only noon and if i was finishing at noon versus finishing at you know six o'clock or five o'clock when i knew i would finish otherwise um then you know that would free up the whole evening for beers with my friends and all this. <laughs> right. You know, I, I had gone to that point definitely mentally, <laughs> and so of course I was a little disappointed. You know, but the whole point of me to go out there was to do it. And so when he when he gave me the go ahead, you know, I didn't really have an option. That was kind of uh, all right. I guess I have to I have to finish it. Um, and that mental shift. I like to say that there are three stages of an ultra marathon. There's the beginning stages when you're feeling great and excited. Then there's the inevitable low point. And then there's the part where you come out of the low point and then you just get it done. And you can hit stage two and three multiple times throughout, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how long the race is. Yeah. Um, you know, you can kind of switch back and forth to that. But you're always going to come out of that low point and end up feeling better. And this was just by far the lowest point I had had in, <laughs> ever in, yeah. in a run. Right. And uh, and it, re- it, really took, it really took a shift in mindset. It took accepting the fact that uh, that this was a low point and um and deciding that that didn't matter that I was going to have to get out of this and 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 surrounding myself with just kind of positive wins whether it was just a short hill or or a flat that I could run for a little bit or you know eating a goo or a gel um or you know a cliff block or something like that was was a win just getting something down drinking some some uh, vegetable broth and you know whatever it was 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 mm-hmm. a win were there any other uh, things that you at that around that turning point that you ate or drank that that was different than otherwise? Like, did you, did you have any ibuprofen then or eat or drink? Because that I've had, and I don't, I try really to stay away from the ibuprofen now. I took one mm-hmm. single one during my hundred miler, uh, just because you know some people say it's a little bit dangerous, right? And uh, 
I'm really interested now now that I've learned about tart cherry juice to actually try that for that sort of targeted reason during an ultra marathon. But mm-hmm. I haven't run an ultra since I've been into it, so I don't really know. But um, did you do that, or did you eat anything special, drink soda, anything like that that would sort of help to revive you? Yeah, well, I um, I changed clothes. I, I, I put on a new shirt and uh, new shoes, which just, you know, they it was raining and it was muddy, so they immediately got wet again. Mm. Yeah, but that but it felt fresh it felt new uh which was good and and then you know, i've never been much of the of the vegetable broth I've, for some reason that just has never been something i've all that have been all that interested in but um normally normally during these races i do the cook products and and i know that you're not a huge fan of those but i i've have had luck with them and they've been good to my stomach but i i wasn't able to do keep anything down so mm-hmm. um I switched to the broth, and and that helped a lot. It just was soothing and warming, and had all the salt. Took some salt tablets. Um, I'm not I'm, I'm not a ibuprofen person either. I just think that that's kind of dangerous, and yeah, um, haven't done that. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I've I've experienced that huge dramatic turning point. It's probably more dramatic. It sounds like yours was a more gradual thing that you that you started going again, and then everything you did all these positive things, and, and gradually got better. Right. I've I've in hindsight. Just before I realized what an impact ibuprofen would have or soda would have, either one of those, and in combination especially it seems, mm-hmm. um, had those dramatic turning points in races. And just in hindsight have, have realized that that's, that's when you take ibuprofen. And it doesn't <laughs> last. It, it lasts, in my case, it seems like 45 minutes um, or so, which is perhaps why people rely on it the whole race because right. you just stay on that mm-hmm. high, which I, I would not advise at all. Yeah. Um, I, d- I mean, I, I am I am a big fan of soda, but not until late in the race. And- right. Right. That it was too early for me to start doing that. At that Vegetable point. broth sounds good though, because I'm always wanting soup or something like that at mm-hmm. those points. And a lot of times it's not vegan, so having having a vegetable broth would be nice, easy to get down thing. Yeah, they they, um, they actually this particular race had lots of vegan options. Oh yeah, yeah. It was they had um, you know a lot of even warm stuff and and the vegetable broth and tomato soup and stuff all kinds of stuff like that so i met a guy at health fest his name is dave uh and he is he's hoping to run leadville this year i guess he got in and mm-hmm. and wants to run it for his first hundred but uh he swears by green smoothies during ultra green smoothies yeah wow. and and someone else who was talking about it was like i don't know how you could keep that down it seems like it just wouldn't yeah wouldn't sit down but i think for some people i don't know in an ultra marathon for me at least the intensity is low enough that keeping stuff down isn't a huge issue Although it sounds like it hasn't really been that for you until this time, and suddenly it was. Right. Um, yeah. But he said he said it. It really he notices in the same way that I said like with ibuprofen that I have mm-hmm. noticed how much it changes you. He said with with that it just seems like ten minutes later you just suddenly feel this burst of energy, uh, which could be an anti-inflammation type thing with all those greens in there, kind of calming calming things yeah. down. Yeah. So I'm curious to try something like that. I don't know quite how he how he transports it or what he does. I think maybe he said he puts it in his uh, handheld bottle. Ooh, gosh, <laughs> I just can't imagine. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I did, I did try two other new things that were new to me. One was um, I got this coffee drink. It was like a coffee latte thing of, it, with almond milk. It was vegan from um, Whole Foods. Uh huh. That I had never seen it before, but it, the day before the race, I stopped in to pick up a few things and saw it, and I had that. Um, with maybe 20 miles to go and it was it was delicious and it was you know had lots hmm. of caffeine in it right so that that actually worked well and then um have you seen these new savory cliff gel things no 
They're Scott Jurek designed them, uh-huh. uh, and they're savory. They're flavored with like I think one is pizza, and you know it's like this hmm. weird kind of um, interesting non-sweet right gels, and and they're they're more pasty than than like the sticky gel stuff. Okay, right. Uh, and I only had one because they I got sent one and and tried it and actually really liked it. Yeah. It was it was late in the race and it just mixed it up. So that was good. Wow. So I did try those two. New Wonder things. are they like. If Scott Jurek made it, it's probably fairly natural flavoring, right? I mean, because it seems like you could just create those flavors in a lab like they do for Jelly yeah, Belly and all I, that. You know, I, I don't really know that much about him, but, I, you know, Cliff Cliff tries to do pretty well yeah. with the natural products yeah. and stuff, so it's I imagine good. that. Interesting. Yeah. And sounds then... sounds kind of weird, but of course it does. But, I mean, at the same time, regular gel sometimes sounds weird to me, and that I can yeah. see that. Yeah, I, you get to a point where you just don't want to taste anything sweet, at least I do. Mm-hmm. And and I could see somehow that that might actually work. Yeah, good. So so it was a good race. Uh, you know, I mean, it was a terrible race in a lot of ways, but I felt good about getting it done, mm-hmm. and um, definitely feel like it was it was a mental struggle that is good. You know, it's good to have it's good to go to that dark place and to, and to work through it and right and be able to push on. So how long did it take you to do the first half? And how long did you do the second half? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. It took me. I finished in thirteen hours and fifty-two minutes. Thirteen fifty-two. Okay, and you were on pace for the first. I was on pace um, for the first three laps. For what kind of time? Like what were you um, close to? I was, I was hoping to finish in twelve and a half hours. Okay. So, um, so a little under halfway there, I was was probably somewhere around six hours. Okay. And then. So not a dramatic slowdown. You you maybe lost. Yeah, 20%. it was you know it was really that that one lap was really slow, uh-huh. and then um, with the pacers I was able to to keep moving and um, you know I wasn't it definitely was under pace or over pace but um, I was still moving which was good right they kept me they kept me going good all right well I'm glad you finished yeah way better than talking about a, a DNF. Yeah, right. That would we probably wouldn't even do an episode. We pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> Just ignore the whole thing. Yeah. But I did. I we went out for pizza and uh, beers afterwards. We went to Mel Mushroom. Uh, good, which was good. And um, about halfway through dinner, I had a couple beers and a little vegan pie, and was started falling asleep at the table. Yeah, was, I've seen a guy like, do that. I just got oh, he passed it, out. It just really. hit me so yeah, hard. I'm sure. Yeah. Did you what? Did you stop urinating blood? Like, did that gradually stop? Um, well, I I kind of quit urinating just because I got so dehydrated. Um, okay. I uh, or something. I you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I've never been good at going to the bathroom, at peeing during races. For some, you know, kind of right. Right. Even if I'm drinking a lot. Uh, so, I I ended up peeing blood four times during the race, mm. uh, and just over time. There was it over time. It got a little less right. red right, and right. Uh, throughout the night, and and by the next morning, you could you couldn't really tell. So mm, I would be terrified if I was doing that. Yeah, I would quit immediately. <laughs> yeah. I, I would think I was dying. Well, I peed. So I, <laughs> this might be too much information, but we're gonna talk about it anyway. I, I I peed the first time, and it was a couple miles into the lap, and it it would have been much better from or much easier for me to just turn around. But I was I was so disappointed. That was actually the first time during a race that I had shed some tears. I was like so devastated. <laughs> I was it was it was just hit me so hard because I had been struggling for so long and been out there and it was raining and 
it's not good. And then all of a sudden it was like, now I'm going to quit and I'm going to disappoint my, mm-hmm. my friends and my mom. Yeah. Um, so I decided I would walk it out. So I at least finished it. So I didn't turn around. Right. And I and I walked it out and finished that lap. And right before the finish, I was like, "Well, maybe I'll pee one more time and <laughs> and just see." And sure enough, it still had blood in it. So then I was uh, like, "Okay, jeez, it's done." Oh man! All right. Well, I, I guess let's wrap it up here. I mean, we've got nothing else to say. But <laughs> I, I think this is a good lesson. Like, not for someone who's interested in ultra running. This is this is not atypical. I mean, like I said, the urinating blood is is would be scary to me, and and is something that is atypical and and should be a concern. But this depth of low feeling and mm-hmm. and sort of depression and and feeling like the, you don't have any good option because to keep going is really painful. Um, perhaps worse as in some cases you don't know if if uh, things are okay and if you should safely keep going. At the same time, you've got all these you know all your all your chips in the pot for last lack of a better uh metaphor there and it's just like you, you just you you're all in and you can't quit because you've you've got all these things there and that's even more painful so that's i mean that's what it's about and i think that's truthfully why we do it it's you know it, it's whatever mm-hmm. you learn about yourself in that or how how accomplished you feel for overcoming that that that's what it's about more than more than about like it's fun to go 60 miles running. Right. Or, I mean, it's not really fun, fun. It's, it's only fun because of that struggle, you know? So right. that's what it's about. If you are, uh, if you're thinking about ultra running, um, that, that's it. So yeah, hopefully I, this w- doesn't turn people off of it. When I saw my mom for the first time, um, you know, I was, I looked at her and, and, and she said, are you doing okay? You know, this was after the guy had told me that I could keep going. And I was like, mom, I'm just not having fun, <laughs> you know, and that, that that was kind of a new feeling, even at the low points to just say, or to just accept the fact that right. you were just, this is not fun. This is not fun. I do not want to be out here right now. <laughs> yeah. I've had that low point and I've, that's when I quit running in my head. I say, I'm not going to run anymore after this Yeah, and never going to do this again. Uh-huh. Yep. You know, but, but I do think that this is a lesson that even if you're not into ultras, you know, maybe you're going for your first marathon or even half marathon and it's taking longer and, and you're feeling low that the lesson of positivity positivity and the the idea that you can you know you can get past that and you can you know when you finish it's just it's going to be over and you're going to feel so good about it um you know just focus on that and not quit focusing on the on the pain and the suffering and yeah that positivity is a topic one day maybe for another podcast because i've read some interesting research recently articles and they're sort of the typical contrarian thing where it's it's popular to write an article that says the complete opposite of what everyone assumes <laughs> and they just point out how how the whole positive thinking movement is really a myth the idea that it can actually <laughs> outwardly help yeah that it can help you do anything and you know all these things that, that demonstrated somehow out actually made you less likely to succeed hmm. um if you were positive without reason to be which goes against the total self-help self-improvement you know stuff from the last 60 years has entirely been right about that exact thing right uh but I, I sense that it's not applying to physical things uh, and actually changing your physiology, which in some way you were doing when you changed clothes and you said keep smiling. I don't know if you meant actually physically smiling or just or just in your in your head. Um, but I think I think when you change your when you change something about your physiology, and this is like a Tony Robbins thing, as I've talked about him before. I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that you can change your mental state to one that is positive. By changing how you how you are, you start moving faster, making making just quicker, more 
more energetic movements, and you can become more energetic. Yeah. So that I, I don't doubt that at all. But it'd be interesting to talk about positivity later and, and look at some of these articles and think about um, just you know whether it truly can or can't help you. And uh, yeah, we should do that. Fun. We should take note on that. We will do that. Cool. All right. Uh, last thing before we go, we didn't mention that we're going to be switching to whatever it is with the feed you tech tech geeks do. <laughs> uh, something with iTunes that. We'll hopefully fix the description so they don't have these stupid meta tags in them and look look, look junky. Uh, and also hopefully fix the issue that made all these people stop getting the podcast. Uh, but anyway, that that's going to be happening soon. So if you find that you're still subscribed, but it looks like we're not making any new episodes, uh, we probably are. You just need to unsubscribe and resubscribe, and it will fix it. Hopefully that issue is not going to happen for anybody, but uh, if it does, that's what you do. Tell your Tell your friends. Tell your friends that if they've stopped getting the podcast, that we are in fact still making them, and they can they can unsubscribe and resubscribe and get it again. All right, thanks okay. for chatting about this, man. All right, thank you, Doug. See you soon.